0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to Guest Friday, a not your average Boston sports podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can follow our uh, social pages as well. Uh, today, I'm excited to announce that I am uh, joined by Adam Taylor. Um, Adam is a writer for uh, Celtics blog and also. Uh, Rights for uh, heavy basketball or heavy sports um you can also find adam's content on uh, youtube and twitter and instagram um so adam is a big time celtics guy so uh, adam great to have you this week
1: yeah man thanks for intro uh yeah man big time celtics guy big time uh it's not been a big time off season i've been a little bit sad over the last few weeks but thank you for having me man
0: yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, you know, exciting that we're uh, about to start a new season in a few weeks, but obviously there's been a lot of uh, kind of negative attention that's gone on the last couple of weeks or so. You know, some injuries, obviously the change with the coaching staff. Um, so just kind of tell me your overall thoughts for where, where we're at right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we start from the offseason, right, so we we'll start from the beginning. You lose game six against the Golden State Warriors. It sucks, but you're super high on it. You, like, you're high on the team. You're high on what they accomplished. High on Ime Udoka. You know there's a few places they need to add some talent. Big man spot was always going to be a need. Had, finding an additional shot creator and a playmaker was going to be a need. A couple of weeks in, you signed Demada. No, you don't. I'm just reading something about Rose, and Rosen. You signed Malcolm Brogdon, and then you signed Danilo Gallinari. Brugden gives you the, the shot creation, gives you the playmaking, also an extra big buddy on defense, He's big for his size, and he's exceptionally gifted offensively. And then you side Gallinari, and that gives you an extra floor spacer. He's not really going to give you much outside of rebounding and floor spacing, but he fills that hole at that four slash five spot. You feel really good. The two biggest needs, uh, and you resolve them instantly. You don't use the TPE, but that's okay because the Brugden acquisition kind of Superseded that TPE like you don't need to use that anymore, and then it starts to go downhill, right? So now all of a sudden, you have to Bill Russell passing away, and obviously everything that comes with that. How much that sucks? What he meant to the the organization, to the NBA, to like the city of Boston, and then. You get the, Dan- the Gallinari injury. In between that, you have the Jalen Brown trade rumours. Everybody's worried about Jalen Brown. You're going to be able to keep him happy. Are you going to lose him? Does he want to leave now? You've got all this like crap just flying around. Mm-hmm. That all goes down. ACL. Emeo is suspended for the year. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, he's not coming back. So now all of a sudden, in like a six-week period, everything went from super excited, like pumped, man. We're going to be a finals team again this year. It's going to be a load of great basketball to, dude, I'm going to be shocked till we make it out the second round. So uh, I'm not feeling good now, but it's been a huge, uh, it's been a huge roller coaster over these last few weeks. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, you know, obviously, like you said, the uh, suspension, you know, kind of just threw another huge wrench into kind of the, the plans for this team this season. Um, so obviously Joe Missoula takes over um, as head coach, uh, do you think that there's going to be a big change in terms of what they do um, from like a head coaching standpoint?
1: From like a system standpoint, like the way they run the rate. Yeah. I think there's going to be, I don't think it's going to be significant. I think there's going to be subtle tweaks to what they do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think one of the biggest things to remember is that Udoka had a winning system in place. Now, a lot of that was due to the accountability and importance of like effort that he put on during training and in the locker room. But his system works, right? So, but the problem is Missoula can't try and be in Mayudoka. Missoula needs to be Missoula. So, I think we're going to see some slight differences. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw them slowly move away from the, the heavy switching and go to a little bit more of a drop slash contain system especially while Rob Williams is out mm-hmm. because, you know, and that's someone I forgot to mention when I was talking about the off season. Uh, I think that, you know, without Rob, that switch everything system's a lot more difficult. You're mm-hmm. going to have Luke Cornett there. He's not a switching guy. Al Horford can do it, but you want to save the mileage on the clock for the postseason. So going into like a drop coverage kind of like in a contained type system defensively, that's probably going to happen. If you yeah. go back and watch how Missoula coached the 2021 summer league team, they ran a ton of five-out offense. They didn't really like their big man down on the dunker spot. They liked him above the perimeter in the delay. So I think we're going to see a lot more five-out offense from um, from Boston this year than what we did last year. Last year, it was more four-out, one-in, because you had Rub there. So you'd put, mm. put him down low on the dunker, and they have four guys. I think that's going to change. Al Horford can shoot from deep. Yeah. Um, Luke Cornett can shoot from deep. Cabanjele showed in Summer League that he's not afraid to fire away from deep. You've got guys that can work on that five-out system. So I'd expect to see that. And then it's just going to be play calls. And, you know, nine times out of ten, unless you're looking for them, you're not really going to notice them. You know, I I do because it's kind of what I look for. But I think a lot of it's just going to be, you're going to see a lot more five-out. You're probably going to see similar pace, maybe a little bit faster. And then you're probably going to see the switching uh, get toned down quite heavily.
0: Okay. Um, So, obviously, we've heard a little bit about um, that they are interested in bringing in another coach. Uh, I think there was news earlier today that uh, Jay Laranega probably is not going to be in the running. Who do you think they could possibly bring in as an assistant?
1: Who do I think or who do I want? Because that's two different questions.
0: How, How about both?
1: Okay. So, who do I think? I think Brett Brown is a solid option, Massachusetts guy got a good relationship with brad stevens head coach experience over in philly hasn't coached since leaving philly he might be willing to come and accept a like head assistant job Like Mm -hmm. you could you could you could talk yourself into that being realistic Mm -hmm. so i think he's one of the guys that would be highly up there um there's a couple Jerome Allen, maybe try and bring him back. If you're looking for that continuity, you know, sure. uh, if Darren Ager says no, maybe try and get Jerome back in there. Those are two names that I see as realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name that I want, and I tweeted this earlier today, <clears throat> excuse me. The name that I want is James Borrego. If I have to choose anybody, it's James. Look, I think if you look at what he did in Charlotte with the limited resources, I mean, the dude was playing season after season without a legitimate big man. And, and he was getting good results. Their offense was fantastic. They were one of the most fun offensive teams in the NBA with and without LaMelo Ball. Like We can't put all that on LaMelo. They were playing nice offense under Borrego before LaMelo came. Sure. So one of Boston's biggest issues last year wasn't defense. It was offense. When, this, when the starters went on the floor, there was a load of stagnation. Somebody like Borrego can come in super inventive and intuitive as an offensive guy. Maybe start trying to look to supercharge that offense. So, that would be the guy that I'd, if I could choose, that's who I want.
0: Gotcha. Well, I really like the sound of that because um, I definitely agree that the offense at points got stagnant. I think, especially early on in the year when they were struggling. Um, so, you talked a little bit about Rob Williams being out. Which players do you think are going to benefit the most with him being out for the period that he's going to be out?
1: Sounds crazy, but I think it's going to be guards. I think that Rob being out means it's really difficult to consistently run a two a double big lineup. And so I think everybody slides up, right? So you slide Allen to that five, you slide JT into the four, JB into the two, and now you can put Brogdon in as the starting two guard if you wanted, or Derek White, depending if you wanted, to manage Brogdon's minutes. So mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, Derek White and and Pritchard are going to see a bump in the numbers in the minutes they play. And they're, in my opinion, those two guys are the biggest beneficiaries because if it was still a double big lineup, Pritchard probably becomes a situational guy and inconsistent minutes the same as it was when Schroeder was there. And then Derek White probably sees his minutes drop considerably as well, right? So oh. the other guy is obviously Luke Cornett, a bit like, and I, because obviously... You've got no rubs. So now Luke has gone from the third big in the rotation to the second big in the rotation. He's going to play very meaningful minutes and we're going to learn very quickly whether he's the right guy to be that backup big or not. So Mm -hmm. those are the two guys, like three guys, Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, Luke Cornett for different reasons, obviously.
0: Okay. do you think there's a possibility they could still bring in like a veteran big like Dwight Howard or DeMarcus Cousins?
1: I mean, possibly, yeah. But the biggest thing is the tax hit, right? So for every dollar you spend, it's going to run you $4.5. So $4.50 for every dollar. So a vet minimum deal is going to cost you, with the tax penalty, close to $10 bucks. And then you need to look at what DeMarcus Cousins is going to give you, what Dwight Howard is going to give you, and be like, is there impact? Do they bring me enough value to part with $10 million, right? Right. Okay. Now, in terms of locker room, no, we know Dwight isn't the best influence in a locker room. We know DeMarcus Cousins can be confrontational in a locker room. Mm-hmm. We know they're not going to get consistent minutes once Robert Williams' back, especially if Missoula sticks with a traditional one big lineups and then Al Horford's coming off the bench, whoever, and then whoever's coming in, like Dwight or Cousins, is now being pushed further down that rotation. And I think that's part of the reason Brad's resisted that a little bit. Okay. And then you look at some of the guys, like, you know, Cabin Jedi can fill the role. I'm not sold that he's ready yet, but, you know, we're going to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, if they sign Samant- Samantich, Cimentich? I don't know how to pronounce his name. You know, the guy who they just signed um, to the 10-day, the Exhibit 10. If they mm-hmm. bring him in on a two-way deal or give him a full-time contract, he's a, he's a very good pick-and-pop big. He can shoot from deep. He's got range across there. Very good role man. Uh, not very good at going through through contacts. Like, all you got to do is wall up and you're not, he's not going to try and go over you. But he's, he's going to give you something, right? So I, I think there is value there from bringing someone like Howard in who who knows what it takes to win a chip. But there's an asterisk over the chip he won, so first of all, because it was the bubble with the Lakers. Mm. And he's old. He's not Dwight Howard that everybody remembers. You're signing the name. And with the tax penalty as well, I just don't see it being... I think Luke Cornett would need to really tank the start of this year and, you know, maybe Cabanjele shows he's not ready and then you force Stephens' hand into going into that free agent market. I think that's the only reason it would happen.
0: Gotcha. Do you think that they can be successful running like a double big lineup? Let's say that they start Grant and Al or they start Al and Cornett. Do you think that that type of lineup could still be successful?
1: Yeah, because I don't really class Grant as a big like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, Grant to me is a forward slash wing, not a big slash forward. You know what I'm saying? And I know we call, and I know in the modern era, it's guards, wings, bigs, right? Right. Grant is a big if we go through that. I see. But but I'm just like, Grant ain't that big, dude. Like, uh, if you want to run Grant and Al together, I'm super comfortable with that. And I think you can have a, like, defensively, you're going to have a ton of success. Uh, Grant can spread the floor for you he can play, he can switch a lot uh, if, he, if he learns how to attack closeouts and create after dribble a little bit just like, you know, driving kick out of those corners like we saw from Romeo early in the season, mm-hmm. I think Grant's going to be legit, especially if he adds a floater as well if he adds a floater to his game attacks closeouts and let floaters go and he's hitting them at a consistent clip there's mm-hmm. definitely a way, now do I think Al Horford and Luke Cornett could work together I don't want to find out I think it would be really disjointed. I don't think, uh, I don't think Luke Cornett's style of offense and defense really fits well. He's like a less mobile version of Daniel Tice, right? So you don't want to put a less mobile version of Daniel Tice next to Al Horford when a more mobile version of Daniel Tice didn't work next to Al Horford. So I'd, avoid, I'd, I'd advise trying like stand, steering clear of that personally. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think we will see in short spurts.
0: Um, I'm also curious about. Brogdon and you know I guess that there's a possibility that he could start I like the idea of bringing him off the bench I feel like in that if he's coming off the bench he's not going to be playing as many minutes Um, and I feel like one of the concerns when the Celtics made the trade for him is that he's kind of injury prone he's had injury issues pretty much his entire career Um, what's your best thought in terms of how they use him
1: yeah, I took a lot of heat on Twitter when I, when I moaned about his injury history. That's true. Um, but it's true, dude. It is yeah. true. I think, look, you can be a bench player and still play starters minutes. That's the first thing, right? You, you can still play big minutes coming off the bench. Sure. I think that the difference is you're coming in after a team has tried to set the tone. Because what you see is early in games, if teams are going to play physical, they're overly physical early to set the tone for the rest of the game, right? And if you can keep Brogdon out for that original kind of like five-minute, hey, we're going to bang you up just because we're trying to show you that's how we're going to play tonight. If you can keep him out of that, great. I also think that, you know, if you put Brogdon into the starters, like now, now who's your ball handler? Who's your primary guy, right? It should always be Jason Tatum. Always. Jason Tatum should be your number one ball handler on this team. Then who is it? Is it Marcus Smart? Or is, it, or is it Brogdon? If it's Brogdon, what is Smart giving you offensively now? Because when Smart isn't the one setting up the offense is when Smart becomes a little bit more of a liability to decide to start firing away. So you want to keep Smart involved in the orchestration of the offense to get the best version of Marcus Smart. Now, the difference is Malcolm Brogdon, the best years of his career was as an off-ball shooting guard when he played for Milwaukee. So mm-hmm. if you do play that, you still want Tatum as your first ball-handling option. Smart as your second, then Brogdon as your third, because Brogdon will give you that tertiary playmaking, no questions asked. And he's probably a better playmaker than Smart, but the reason you keep Smart at number two is to reduce the chances of Marcus Smart doing Marcus Smart things on the offensive end. And then Brogdon's going to be one of your best release valves when the defense shifts over after a drive and Brogdon's sinking or shaking into the corner or up to the slot for a driving kickout. kick out. So I'd like to see Brogdon played more off ball because I think that's where he was most successful in his career. So that's mm-hmm. where he should be most successful here. And I really don't think he should be taking touches away from smart, not because he's not as good, not because he's better than Brugden, but because it's what's best for the team.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned Jason, um, that you know should be one of the main ball handlers. What in what ways do you think both he and Jalen can improve on their games this year? So we have seen Jalen improve tremendously um, through the first couple of years of his career. What ways do you think that both of them can continue to improve?
1: Yeah, I mean, for Tatum, it's going to be... Oh. So last coming into last season, he needed to read double teams better. He needed to read blitzes. He needed to understand how to read plays earlier. And he showed that towards the end of the season. I think for me now, I want to see him working on a floater game. I think that's important for him. We see him barreling down and having to Euro step around, guys, because the the weak side low man rotate, pre-rotates early because he knows Tatum's getting downhill to the hoop, or you'll see a big and drop kind of slide over. Having that floater game is going to open up that middle for him, and then you can start working on, I'd like to see him on a short roll a little bit, put him as a screener. When he's not the ball handler, get him as a screener on the short roll and get him to short roll pick and pop off those middies on, on the elbows. Those two things I think offensively could really help him. Uh, Most importantly, that floater game. I read somewhere there was somebody saying they really wanted him to improve his post game, and I wouldn't mind it. Like, it's fine if you want to improve your post game, fine. But uh, if you're playing in a five-hour offense, improving in the post isn't really going to be beneficial anyway. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing his post creation, like creating off the post-ups. I wouldn't mind seeing that improve. For Jalen Brown, it depends how you view him, right? Like, ball handling at speed has been an issue for him his entire career. Ball handling, in general, isn't exactly his strong suit. So if he can improve his ball handling at speed because he's always going to be the guy you want running the break, great. I, I class him as what you call a play finisher. So everybody else sets up the offense, and then he's the guy that finishes it off, whether he catches the ball on a cut, gets a layup or a dunk, or catches it for a catch and shoot. Maybe he takes a dribble in and pulls up. Whatever it may be, I call him a play finisher. So if he wants to improve as a play finisher, maybe it's going to be attacking closeouts a little bit better without losing your handle. Uh, Maybe it's going to be create space creation after dribble. You get the ball, sort of defense reads it while closes in on you. You need to do that one-step pullback, create that space to get that shot off. So some space creation, his first step, and then obviously ball handling overall for JB because it's his biggest weakness at the moment. So that would be what I'd ask for him. So space creation and ball handling. And both of those two kind of go hand in hand.
0: Mm -hmm. So looking at this week, you know, obviously the start of training camp, first preseason game is on Sunday. Um, The Celtics have signed a bunch of different guys to uh, training camp contracts. Noah Vonley, Justin Jackson, uh, Jake Lehman. Which one of the guys that they've given, like one of these training camp contracts to, which... Which one of these guys do you think makes the team? And then which, being that same guy, do you see that person making an impact?
1: Right. I don't see any of them making an impact. Okay. Um, Just to be honest, right? So I think that who I think makes the team, I think it's Jake Layman. He comes with the most experience is... Probably the best off ball player out of all of them. And let's be honest, none of these guys are going to see the ball much. So you want the one that can move about the rock the best, understands where to screen, how to screen, the angles to use, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think Lehman's that guy. Um, his shooting lets him down a ton. I really believe that. However, I do think for me, the guy I want is Justin Jackson. I think Jackson gives you a lot of off ball stuff. I Mm -hmm. think he's a little bit more explosive than Lehman. His shooting is a little bit more reliable. There's some dribbling ability there, some playmaking ability there, however minute. Um, I think Justin Jackson comes in with a much higher upside than Jake Lehman, but Jake Lehman's more of a complete player right now. So I think Mm -hmm. he gets the spot, even though I
0: really, 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 really want it to be Jackson. Mm -hmm. Which, um, and this can be any player on the Celtics, which player do you think has like the biggest breakout season?
1: Oh, I haven't. Do you know what? Everything going on this offseason, I haven't even considered this. Um, I think Jalen Brown's coming in with that chip on his shoulder. You know, I think he's the one that's got the most to prove this year. Don't forget, if he can make an All NBA team or you know an All Defense or something like that, he can he can open up some Supermax eligibility for himself. So he's gonna have a lot to play for financially. And He's also got a lot to play for because guess what, dude? You nearly got traded this offseason. People oh. like people are calling for it. Not even just saying it, it's you know, I get it, it's for Kevin Durant. Like, if you're gonna trade Jalen Brand, Kevin Durant is one of the only guys you do it for, but still, you gotta feel some type of way, right? You just went to the NBA finals, you were the best player on the team in the finals. So if I chose anyone, I think Jalen Brand's got the most motivation to have that breakout year, yeah. and then hmm. After that, I'd probably say Grant Williams because it's a contract
0: year. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Derek White? What's your thought about him um, as a player?
1: I love Derek White's game. I, I, I value the, the little things, right? So I, I really put I put a lot of value on off-ball movement, on cutting. I think cutting is one of the most underrated skills in the entire of the NBA. No, wow. it, like People are just like, oh, he made a cut. Yeah, he did. But if he'd cut slowly, would it have worked? Would he have dragged a defender, a defender with him? If he sprinted too early, would he have created that gap? Or would he have made things harder? Would he have like, bugged down that lane? It's timing. It's reading of the game. It's knowing when to go fast, when to go slow. Like It's one of the most underrated skills in the league. Um, so I think he's an exceptional cutter. I think he's a really good small screener. So that's like inverted screens to force switches and force mismatches. Great decision maker. You never see him make a bad pass. Never seen him make a stupid bonehead play. Everything's always the right play. He makes the right decision. Um, yeah, his shooting's not great, but look, he's one of the best defenders on the team. Second, probably only to Marcus Smite in terms of perimeter defense and point of attack defense. Always among the lead leaguers, league leaders in charges drawn. Mm. So if you're willing to go to the end of the earth to defend Marcus Smart saying, oh, well, I get his shooting numbers have never been fantastic, but look at the intangibles. Look at what he brings to the team defensively. You have to be willing to do that for Derek White too because look what Derek White brings you, intangibles on offense and defense, intangibles in terms of drawing charges, one of the better defending guards in the league, around about a 33 34% shooter. There's a lot of similarities between White and Smart and the fact that White's catching so much heat right now, Kind of makes me laugh because we saw Smart go through it for years. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so kind of looking at kind of an overall view of the team and like the rest of the East and just thinking about where the team was at the end of the year, you know, in the NBA Finals. Realistically, what do you think the expectations are for this team?
1: Before MAUDOKA NBA Finals. Now, I think your floor is a second-round exit. I still think that's the floor, right? That's the lowest it can be. Like, mm-hmm. if you have a second-round exit this year, it's going to be bad, but it's not a disaster because the reason is you went to the NBA Finals with a rookie head coach. If you expect to go back to the NBA Finals with a brand-new rookie head coach, mm. like, does, like, lightning don't strike twice, dude? It right. was already looking difficult, right? Philly are really good now. Philly have improved a bunch. DeAnthony Melton is slept on. I think that's a huge pickup for them pj Tucker, daniel house they, they're they a far more well-rounded roster now cleveland aren't no ain't no joke bro like you've got yeah. donovan mitchell there as that scoring punch alongside sexton um yeah. no sorry alongside garland um and then you've got mobley you've got jarrett allen They're a coro if he breaks out and shows a bit of a free ball as well as that defense they're no joke so you know don't sleep on them milwaukee chris middleton's healthy Miami, I think, are being are being overrated at the moment. I think they've actually stagnated this year. Everyone got older than they only added Nikola Jovic. So, you know, I don't think they're going to do much. But what I'm saying is the East is deep as hell. So if you think it's going to be easy to make it back to the finals with a rookie head coach for the second year straight, you're off. You're out of your mind. You need to take off the green glasses. It's not going to be easy. It's not impossible. It's not easy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that We've seen another kind of change in the East that, okay, here's a team like Cleveland that's gotten a lot better. And, you know, we didn't even mention um, a team like uh, the Nets who obviously KD and Kyrie are both, um, you know, still obviously really good at what they do. So there's another team there that's going to be challenging. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough challenge, obviously the rookie head coach um you know and then you mentioned milwaukee too i mean they're still no sludge they still gave you a seven game series that was really exciting
1: and then you got uh, chicago sure you know, i know lanzo boy i mean the biggest issue with chicago is they've got no depth it's all in that starting five right and soon as right. that starting five got injured last year things went downhill fast they mm-hmm. bring in goran dragic to kind of help shore them over while Lonzo boy look Goran Dragic is great, but he's not at Lonzo Balls' level anymore. Goran Dragic is old now. He's going to give you enough to keep you going. Kobe White hasn't really shown what made him a lottery pick. He needs to have a big season this year. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people, I know a lot of Balls fans are disillusioned with Nikola um, Vucevic, saying that, you know, maybe he was a bad trade. There's just not enough depth there for me. Patrick Williams is going to be huge for them. Caruso, if he can stay healthy, he'll be huge. Mm -hmm. Are they a contender? I don't think so. I think they're a move away. I think they're a healthy Lonzo Ball and a move away from being a contender. Mm. Can they give you problems in a seven-game series? Of course they can. They've got, they've got Demar Rosen, Nikola Vucevic, uh, a healthy Lonzo Ball, assuming Zach Levine, for God's sake. Like, you can't mm. forget Zach Levine, Kobe White, Patrick Williams. They're no joke. Mm. So, you know, they're a tough team as well. And mm. then you've got, like, you know, Orlando are a few years away, but they've got some good young guys. Mm. Um, the Knicks, could the Knicks be good? I doubt it, but it's possible. We saw it two years ago. So mm-hmm. the East isn't a joke anymore. Um, so I, I genuinely think the Celtics can make it back to the the talent is there to be an NBA Finals team this year. But the, the East is tough enough to see a second round exit this year because yeah. coaches make their money in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's where the it's where the adjustments come in. It's where the game management comes in. It's where you go head to head with another coach in a chess battle. If you if Missoula comes up against Eric Spolstra, he's going to learn especially if Miami are healthy it's mm. going to be really really tough to outcoach bolster on your first go around in the in the playoffs. Mm. Not going to be easy.
0: Yeah. Um so obviously uh preseason games start on Sunday. I think there's four of them. Um what are some things that you're looking at in terms of like watching these games? What are some things that you're looking for?
1: Rotations is probably number 1. Mm. I think you're going to get a good feel. I I mean, minutes distribution, I don't care about it preseason. You know, I I couldn't care who plays how many minutes. I really don't care. What I care about is who's that first guy off the bench. What are some of the, uh, the lineups that you choose to use, right? Like who stays on the floor with Luke Cornett? Who comes off the floor when Bragdon comes in? Who comes on at the same time you bring two guys under? Is it Bragdon and Williams? Is it Bragdon and Smart? Like those type of rotations and lineup like experiments are going to tell you a lot. How often do the Celtics switch when they're guarding pick-and-rolls? How often do they pre-switch? How often do they play up to touch and try and contain or drop? That's going to give you an indication of how they want to play pick-and-roll defense this year, how they're going to play there, how often they're going to switch. And then, you know, where how do they line up on offense? What type of system are they running? Are they running 21? Are they running a lot of drag screens? So they're like they're looking to play fast and get downhill. Or are they doing what Udoka did and run wide actions and then setting up in the half court for some screening actions from there? So there's going to be a lot you can tell from like Missoula's ideas and how he wants this team to play this year. You're going to see a lot, but you know, a lot of it's experimenting as well. And you need to keep that in mind. The first three months of the season, you take everything with a pinch of salt and you just see what keeps turning back up, what rotations keep happening. Oh, okay. This is one he likes. He's going to stick with this. What's their net rating when they're together. What's their plus minus when they're together. And then Mm -hmm. by the time you hit like February, you kind of know where you're at. Right. But those are the things I'd be looking for to start the preseason. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. Um, Well, great talking Celtics with you. Um, any other Celtics thoughts that you wanted to get off get off your chest?
1: Oh man, I've, always, I've got lots. Um, it's a good. I'm happy they didn't trade for Durant.
0: Uh, yeah, I am as well.
1: I really think they should have made a run for someone like Javale McGee before he signed an extension or signed I a contract, agree. whatever. Yeah. Um, I think he was the perfect backup for Rob Williams. Though that rim running big man, not kind doesn't want too many minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Borrego should be the assistant coach. Mm -hmm. go celtics go celtics um
0: all right before before i let you go uh any any plugs that you want to do for yourself
1: yeah man i mean uh you can just find me find me on twitter find me on um, instagram so twitter is more like passing thoughts fleeting kind of observations i'll put if i'm watching games i'll post things that i find interesting Mm -hmm. instagram's more x's and o's focused so you'll see it and then reels as well so you'll see lots of clips from my podcasts or and then you'll see lots of breakdowns on like specific plays that the Celtics run, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, if you want to follow me on YouTube, that's cool too. I'll just throw up a bunch of video work there. Uh, and then if you want to see what I write, just follow me. I've got the link tree thing in my bio, so you can find it all there. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you can follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Taylor NBA. Uh, yeah. You know, check him out on Instagram, YouTube, all that, uh, all that jazz. Um, well, yeah, great talking Celtics with you and, uh, hopefully, we could uh, link up later on in the season. Yeah, man, for
1: sure. We, we, we'll either be really happy or we'll be really sad, and we don't know which way it's going to go yet. Exactly.
0: All right, Adam, great talking to you. And uh, folks, we'll be back with you next week.